Hey friends, it's DGS with DHP. I learned so many things in this conversation with our good friend Trevor Gilbert. Uh, one is that the newest Mission Impossible movie was apparently fiction. That seems so real to me. So he'll educate you on that and so much more. How to think about AI as a Christian. That's the topic. Enjoy. Trevor, welcome to the Disciple Henson podcast, take two. Thank you. This time we will have no background music, uh, much to the chagrin maybe of the fans. Yes, yes. Brief version of how you came to know the Lord? Sure. So I grew up in a Christian family, Um, you know, just regular church attendance. Uh, My dad was a pastor, um, so always grew up hearing the gospel and, you know, learning from the Bible. My theory is actually that we started talking about AI, chat GPT took over and sabotaged the recording for us. Oh man, probably the first of many times that AI will come after us. (laughs) Uh, But before we jump into talking about AI, uh, Trevor, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Tell us about your family, how you came to Henson, uh, your your relationship with the Lord or how you came to know the Lord? Sure thing. Um, so I am originally from New York, um, grew up there. And then when I was a, a kid, um, started moving around the world. Um, so kind of, a, a resident and, you know, home everywhere kind of person. Um, I eventually, uh, landed in California. Um, when I, uh, got out of high school, that's where I met Katie, my wife. Uh, we got married there in a church that we were a part of. What uh, part of California? Uh, the Bay Area. Okay. Um, yeah. So in Oakland. Uh, yeah. So we lived there for, uh, I lived there for a number of years. We got married. Um, and then about a week after getting married, we moved up to Oregon um, and have been living here for a little over six years now. Um, yeah. And you guys came up here, just two of you, and we know just t- two of you, you and two Katie. Of us, two of us so far. There will soon be a third. Um, uh, they'll be joining us in February, uh, Lord willing. Great. Well, that's exciting news. We're so glad that you and Katie found yourselves here at Henson. And uh, you said, how long have you guys been here now since the pandemic? Like yeah, about three years. Okay, yeah. Yeah. great. Great. And what about where does your interest in AI come from? Um, it comes from a couple different areas. Uh, so in general, it started when I started working in the tech industry, where it's just where I've been working for the last 10 years. Um, so I've worked at companies that have developed AI and machine learning software, I've worked at companies that have used software developed by other companies. Um, and so that's just sort of like a general background to it. More specifically, um, you know, towards the end of last year, when there was suddenly a spike in interest in chat GPT, AI, all that kind of stuff. It seemed like it would be uh, a topic that would be pretty relevant since it seemed like AI and tools falling under that pretty broad umbrella would start to impact our lives more, more noticeably. How is it impacting your life uh, these days? And tell us ex- more precisely what you do for a living. Yeah, so I, I work as a product manager for a software company. Um, okay. So I manage a team of engineers and designers to build software. I'm not myself an engineer, um, but pretty technically literate to be able to do that. Um, so that's that's what I do for a living. In terms of how it's impacting life day to day, I mean, there's, there's AI in most things that we use on the internet right now. Um, so it's 
everything from when you use uh, autocorrect on your keyboard. That's a very minimal version of AI that learns how you type and understands what you're trying to type there uh, to larger things like Google Maps and how you get around. And it learns sort of like what traffic patterns are. Um, and now more more recently, there are uh, there are tools, you know, ChatGPT being the most famous one that are more uh, noticeable uh, trying to replicate human behavior, um, which is kind of sort of what AI is trying to accomplish uh, as sort of like a long term goal. Um, so for that, it's being able to actually have a conversation with AI. So, you know, for my job, I can go in and, you know, have a, I could be working on a presentation and I could say, I, I need somebody to take a look at this. I think this is being too wordy, but I don't have somebody on hand immediately. I can take the script for it, put it into there and say, where can I cut out some of the words? Where am I being too wordy? And it'll come back and be like, oh, here's some some areas and I can use those suggestions. I can not, but it can kind of serve as a, an assistant to myself right now. So have you done that very thing before? Oh, yeah. 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 And yeah. has it been helpful? It has been helpful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very helpful. We've already kind of got into kind of implications of AI, but how would you define AI? Well, I would go to ChatGPT and I would ask <laughs> What does it? that say about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I asked ChatGPT uh, to define AI and it said, artificial intelligence refers to the broader field of computer science dedicated to creating systems capable of performing tasks that typically require human intelligence. So in simpler terms, it would be a computer that is trying to do something and is trying to look like a human while it's doing it. And if you're keeping score at home or if you're suspicious of AI, you can dust off that Webster's dictionary that is in your attic and look up artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it would be in your 19, you know, 84. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Going back quite a ways. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, any other things to say about the current state of AI today? You already mentioned a number of things, Google maps. Uh, I know when I was writing the gospel of Mark sermons this summer in, uh, in Google Docs, every time I put Mark referring to the Gospel of Mark, mm -hmm. it wanted it kept on changing it to Mark Whitcomb, yeah, which uh, changed a little bit. Like some that of my application, change. Gospel of Mark Whit Whit Whitcomb would change the context <laughs> That's a little right. bit. <laughs> but any other thoughts on just uh, the current state of AI today? It changes very fast. Uh -huh. um, so you know, even in the last week from when we're recording this, there have been you know announcements for being able to you know I've seen things where people are taking pictures of whiteboards and being like, here's a diagram, giving it to an AI and being like, write a paper that's on this diagram and it'll write a paper explaining the entire thing. Or you can, you know, go in there and there's better, there's big advancements in sort of like audio and video technology of like how it, uh, how it sounds to like, you know, generating audio that actually sounds like a person. Um, these things happen very quickly um, and they're not out of nowhere, but they can come across as out of nowhere where there's just sort of new applications for the technology. So I'm sure that by the time that we, you know, people listen to this, uh, there will be additional changes that happen. And in a year, it's going to be, you know, a lot different as well. Where do you think it's all going? That's a, a really hard question to answer. Um, I know the goals of people who are working on it are to, uh, in the most ambitious goals would be to create an intelligence that's indistinguishable from a person sort of on the surface level. Um, obviously, that has some philosophical and a uh, lot of implications to that idea but you know that would be that would be how they would state their goal there are other people who just want to you know create tools that are much more powerful than what we have right now um, you know it could be tools that are really helpful in the medical space where you could have a 
a computer take a, an MRI scan and flag things faster than a doctor would be able to flag them. You know, they could be able to go in there and, uh, you know, detect different diseases, cancers, all that kind of stuff. I know there's companies working on that. Um, there are tools that they could be developing for, you know, just to, to automate jobs that are very routine. So, you know, that's something that's likely going to happen. The, the implications are, are very broad. Um, you know, there's companies out there that are really looking in every possible area where there's really any level of technology and trying to figure out like, okay, how do we, how do we automate this? How do we take something that right now is relying on a person to be in there? And how do we take that person out of it and replace it with a computer? So already, I, I mean, we're already thinking of implications and uh, consequences for Christians and how we think about mm -hmm. work um, and image of God mm -hmm. and uh, so many other things. Yeah. I mean, we could we could keep on going down the, the list. Um, and any any thoughts on like if we should be concerned? Are you personally mm -hmm. concerned about AI as you as you think about this topic as a believer? Mm. So I I think the concern is there's some concern, but it's not a concern about something that's new. It's a concern about maybe the, a different scale of it. Mm -hmm. um, so what I mean by that is that AI, you can go in there right now with the tools that are available to people and say, generate a video, particularly if it's a public figure or anybody who has published a lot. Um, you could go in there and say, give me a video of this particular preacher and make it sound like them, make it look like them, make the things generally be things they would say, but change the point of their argument to this and generate that. And it would be indistinguishable from, you know, just without really deep looking into it of like an actual recording of them doing something. Um, so we can do things like that with it. And that's very troubling because it would be, uh, you know, deception and lying, uh, depending on how it's presented. Um, and so that kind of thing, like deception's not new, lying's not new, but the form that it's taking is something that maybe we aren't fully prepared to deal with. So like there's, there's that kind of thing where there are individual, you know, Things that we already have, whether that's, uh, you know, on the positive side, better medical research, better, you know, automobile safety or things like that. And just sort of like improvements there on the negative side, it could be deception, you know, lying, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, people almost worshiping AI as sort of like a, a savior of a lot of problems. So like there's lots of implications there. It's nothing new. And so it's just sort of like the concern there is about, you know, how are we going to factor in this and how are we going to respond to it? You, you know, it's already been done with uh, your very own lead pastor, Michael Lawrence, that, that someone as a joke um, created him saying some v things that he would never say, mm -hmm. uh, like a little just audio recording. Yeah. And um, you I at least I couldn't tell that it wasn't him. Yeah. Um, other than the content uh, was kind of made it clear that he would never have said, right. said these things. Right. Um, and again, it was, it was meant as a joke and it actually mm -hmm. was quite funny, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it was also scary, Yeah, you know, to it, think about the implications. It is. It's also in some ways helpful. I mean, I did a, a little test with ChatGPT where I told it to 
pretend that you are Jonathan Edwards and only know the things that he would have known, speak in the way he would have spoken, and then, you know, with the, the beliefs that he had, and let's have a conversation. And so it pulled all of the historic information about Jonathan Edwards, and you can have a conversation and be like, what do you think about this? And it responds maybe with a little bit too many these and thous, but like it is actually mostly representative of it to the point where like you'd be like, oh yeah, that is actually kind of like probably a good simulation of what that conversation would have looked like. It seems like most of the things being written and, and said about AI from a Christian perspective are alarmist mm -hmm. and, uh, and like, this is, this is going to be bad. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think that's coming from? I think part of it is coming from the long-term goals that people have about AI. Um, if you listen to people who are developing AI and they're talking about it as if it is some kind of, this is going to be the answer to all of our problems. This is going to mean that people don't need to have jobs anymore. And we can just go to AI as the source for any problem we have. We can go to like some sort of amazing, almost sci-fi like intelligence and go to it with our problems. Um, some people do have that goal and they talk about it that way. And I think the reaction to that is rightly, that's not good and mm -hmm. we shouldn't want that. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, that is not going to happen anytime soon. Um, kind of like every presidential candidate has also yeah, made those promises. Exactly. Yeah. And we can get kind of like we can enter into a mode of like going along with it. And we're like, yeah, with almost a state of like reverent awe about this potential future that we could be creating for ourselves. Or we can become fearful and defensive of like, oh, no, that would be terrible. You know, for whatever reason that, you know, if that was to happen, that would be really disastrous to my worldview or things like that. And we become really closed in and fearful about it um, without recognizing that like that's not going to happen just like any president that promises like i'm going to solve all of your problems like okay well you're not <laughs> um mm -hmm. so i think it's kind of getting into reacting to a hypothetical that's pretty much not going to happen what about what you think is going to happen maybe in the more near future what do you think our most common contact with ai will be for most people in the next decade or so what's your best guess so i think in the near term um it's going to be just built into pretty much any software that we use right now. Um, you know, even uh, I, I went online earlier this week and without looking for it, I was on Google and I searched for something and it's like, hey, do you want to join a, a test environment where we're just going to generate the responses for you and summarize websites instead of actually having to click on a website? So like that's one small example, but like it's just going to be a part of everyday life more and more and more. Um, beyond that, it, there's like there's a, a famous Bill Gates quote where it's nearly impossible to predict what's going to happen in 10 years or we we overestimate what's going to happen i'm going to get this wrong so i'm just going to read the quote in two years two years and underestimate what will happen in 10 yes um so you know getting to the idea of like we're not going to suddenly have everything is going to suddenly change in two years or something like that but in 10 years like it could be you know really involved in every part of our lives I'm going to do a uh, uh, hashtag uh, Chris Short as he begins his new work at uh, Hillsborough First Baptist Church. And, uh, you know, Chris, you should take Bill Gates advice or any pastor or maybe this is just good <laughs> advice just in general and many other things. I think Bill Gates got this from Mark Dever, who I remember saying, <laughs> saying 
I don't, uh, you pastors tend to overestimate what they can, you know, the change they can affect in two years and underestimate what change can happen in 10. So that's just a little aside. Yeah. For it's, fun. A, it's a generally good, generally good a rule good of principle. Thumb. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, any, any other things about thinking about this biblically in light of God's sovereignty? Um, and maybe we have fears related to, uh, AI, what, why don't, why don't you speak into to that? Why, like, give us an argument of why we should be, um, concerned about AI. Like mm -hmm. what, what are the good reasons to actually be, be on guard? Maybe mm -hmm. that would be a better way not to be, no, I'm not saying tell us why we should be anxious or yeah. why we should be afraid, yeah. but why should we be careful in how we think about AI? I think one of the reasons would be not so much about the AI itself, but more about the impact that it has on the people around us. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there are likely going to be, and there already have been, you know, companies that will lay off people because suddenly their jobs are made redundant by an AI being able to do something in a fraction of the time. Um, our reaction to that maybe could be, you know, we could go down the direction of like, oh, well, we need to do something about this AI. But really, our, our reaction should be more grounded in like, well, we should have compassion on those people whose life circumstances are changing and how that's going to affect them. Um, you know, there's going to be things like uh, probably increased digital isolation due to AI. You know, there's likely going to be, it's not unimaginable to think that somebody is going to develop unhealthy relationships with AI. Um, that doesn't mean the machine has, you know, set out to do something against us, but rather that like that person is in need of compassion and care and, you know, needs to be reached and have personal relationships with actual people. And, you know, we need to, to think about it in those terms. Um, so it's, it's really about the impact that it's going to have on people rather than about the tool or about who owns the tool or anything like that. What about how would you say that we, you know, we don't need to be too worried about this. Anything that you would say just as a fellow believer mm. to maybe if you're talking to someone who, who feels pretty fearful, how would you counsel that uh, brother or sister? Yeah. So I think one of the things that can induce the fear of AI is that it it can move and seem to think much faster than, you know, a normal person would be able to. Mm -hmm. Um and so we can look at it and be like, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, astonishingly powerful, smart. It knows everything. It can do anything. But the truth is, is that only God knows everything and only God can do anything. And AI is itself subordinate to God's will. Um, and so this AI is not going to have, you know, some sort of like, oh, well, this is a a loophole around God's sovereignty or providence. Like, no, God is still very much in control. And so just as that helps us in any sort of period of anxiety or fear, it should be a comfort to us when we start to think about AI or any other technology that comes along. That's a really good word. Can we do a lightning round? Uh, sure. Um, can AI become alive? No. Well, I've seen the Mission Impossible, recent Mission Impossible movie. Did you mm -hmm. see that? I did. Yes, it was yeah. very good. Yeah, but you don't think that could happen? Well, no, I think the Mission Impossible movie uh, skipped Genesis 1. Um, and so I think missing that, uh, it misrepresented what AI can become. That's helpful. Well, now I can sleep a lot easier. <laughs> I agree. Where does AI get all its information? Uh, AI gets it from everything that has ever been published. Um, and so the way it works is that it will go out. This is the AI that, like, GPT style AIs. Um, it'll go out and pull everything that's ever been written about anything from everybody. It'll structure that information and then it will learn based off of it. Um, and so what that means is that AI is really just kind of uh, 
an amalgamation, I think is the right word for humanity of just sort of like everything that humans have ever written or published. Um, so all of that kind of collected and condensed into one thing. Um, sometimes it can get out of date because it's very expensive to create AIs. And so they'll kind of do it in batches where it'll be like, let's pull all of the information we have available right now and then we'll build an ai on top of it for the next two years and then that means when you finally get to start to use the ai that information may be two years out of date by that point um but that's generally how it works i said this was lightning around but i have a follow-up question <laughs> that wasn't a lightning answer <laughs> well uh it, it's a it's an important question i think it's kind of almost at the root of kind of getting at what it even is mm -hmm. Should we be concerned about like copyright infringements and uh, intellectual property and things like that when it comes to AI based on how it gets its information? E to some extent, yes. Um, so there are authors that are very upset because they find out that the book that they wrote was used to train an AI and they didn't get compensated for it. Um, so there is, you know, the potential for copyright infringement. I think that's one that's like a little bit ambiguous. Like our laws weren't really written knowing anything about AI. Um, mm. So it's not really specific enough on it. Can next question, how can AI help me to be a better steward of my time and resources? This was, these are some of your questions, yes. by the way, so yeah. good questions. <laughs> well, I didn't know they were going to be lightning questions. Uh, so the one of the things that we should be mindful of is that um, AI the, as it becomes more integrated in the tools that we regularly have, um, is going to be able to notice things about us that we might not be as observant about ourselves. So there are AI tools already out there that you can connect to your bank account and it'll be like, here's how you're spending your money. And that's something that you might not be observant about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's AI tools that can say, here's what you're looking at on your devices and how much time you're spending on these different things and sort of like how that's trending over time. And like these kinds of observations are going to be helpful for us to, you know, we may think of it as like, oh, it's collecting all this data on me and it is, but it's also, you know, if it's going to do that anyway, you know, we can make the most of that situation to, to see that as a, as a way for us to better reflect on how we're being stewards of our time and resources. So in that way, it's not really, I mean, it, we can use it as a tool in a similar way that we can use a smartphone right. or any other kind of technology at, at some yeah. level. Um, you know, based on where AI gets its information, based on the fact that at least for many of us, this kind of these kinds of conversations are new. Um, how would you? And this might not be a lightning round question. We're moving out of the lightning round. No, this is the thunder round. <laughs> but uh, what? How should we be discerning about the tr sources we trust? I think sometimes mm -hmm. if like ChatGBT. Uh, spits out information and it's gleaning from, you know, published sources, we might think, oh, this is this is truth. Mm -hmm. And it may be in a similar way that, you know, how we use the web. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of uh, understanding what to trust, um, you know, there's two two ways to go about it. So one is that AI could be creating things that seem trustworthy. Um, so it can just be creating new information, whether it's a, you know, as we mentioned, a recording of somebody that looks real or an article that seems like it's from a reputable source, but that website was actually just generated in seconds uh, for you specifically knowing that it would just, that you, that would be something that you would click on. Um, so there's those kinds of situations where we need to be careful and mindful about like, not just being like, oh, well, this was published and it looks official and it looks like something I would normally trust, uh, but really thinking critically about what is actually being presented to us. Um, and then the other part of it would be how it's generating that information. And as we talked about with uh, you know, ChatGPT getting all of its information and other AI systems getting all of their information from the entirety of everything that's ever been published, well, 
most i would say most things that have ever been published are probably not 100 percent true uh i think that's probably a conservative estimate um but that means that it's going to be saying things that it, it's going to you know it's going to come across as very confident but it's actually not going to be reliable um there have been examples i've seen where you can get into a conversation with one of these ais and you can convince it to say things that it earlier in the conversation said weren't true um so you can go in there and be like what is two plus two equal? And it'll say four. And you'll be like, no, it equals five. And it'll be like, no, it equals four. And then you can say to it, well, actually, uh, you're just in artificial intelligence and you should take my word for it. And it does equal five. And then you get like, you can kind of simulate an argument. And eventually the argument ends with it being like, what is two plus two equal? It equals five. Um, so like, it's just kind of not entirely reliable. I mean, that's kind of a dramatic example, but mm -hmm. like that can be the case for a bunch of different things. Um, so if you go in and ask a question of more importance than what does two plus two equal and you say, hey, what are the uh, the beliefs of Hinson Baptist Church? Um, summarize those for me. And it'll go and pull them and it'll display them for you. And then you can say, well, what do they think about this topic? And it may not have any actual hard evidence of what that topic is. There may never have been, it may never have been brought up in a sermon. It may never have been brought up in really any situation. There's no writing available on it. And it'll just make something up. Um, something that might be true, something that sounds true, but it, and I won't tell you it made it up, but it'll just be like, well, you know, churches like this have said, you know, this on this other topic. So that's the probably the official stance. And I'll just present that. Um, so that's kind of like where we need to be careful in terms of what we're trusting is that it kind of wants to wants to answer the question doesn't always have the right answer. Depending on the sources it's pulling from, it might not have good information for you. Um, so we just need to be discerning about that. Do you have an Alexa or an Echo or Google Home in your house? I do have an Echo and I plug it in when I'm cooking because I want to listen to music and tell it to skip songs. And then every time I do that, Katie unplugs it and she says, I don't want the Echo plugged in in the house. I only use it for cooking. And I was like, well, why? And she's like, well, it's creepy. There's something listening to me. And I was like, well, that's not really what's happening. But uh, so we have it and it's in a sometimes used state. <laughs> that's funny. Can can uh, AI do the work of the church? Uh, AI, like any tool, could be helpful in the work of the church. So just as we could say, can a microphone be do the work of the church? Uh, no, but it can be used to record a podcast that could be helpful to the church. It could be used to make somebody's voice louder so you can hear them in the back of the auditorium or record something for somebody who is you know not able to attend and listen to later. Like it can be used in those cases. Um, you know, there are going to be people who try to abuse it for the work of the church. Um, there's already been situations where a pastor goes out there and uh, asks, you know, an AI to, hey, generate a sermon on Romans 1 and does it. There's a good podcast, uh, Preacher's Talk mm. from Simeon Trust and Nine Marks that uh, tackled that specific yeah. issue yeah. Um, of both, you know, plagiarism, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah but also thinking about it as a tool. Yes. So I would just refer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I listened to that, that conversation. It was very helpful. Okay, yeah. good. Anything else? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, that's okay. fine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's really the underscored point is that it can be helpful, but we need to make sure that we don't try to make it replace us uh, or attempt to replace us in the work that we're called on to do as Christians. Trevor, this has been really helpful. Anything else that you would say about how believers can be engaging with this topic uh, now um, and any resources that you would recommend to think about this further? Sure. So uh, in terms of how we engage on it right now, I think it's 
important to not respond out of fear is the main thing, particularly as it comes up in different conversations with people. Um, There's no real reason for us to be fearful about it. Um, I think another area for us to respond is that when given the opportunity to engage in the topic, because it is something that's going to impact us. And we want to make sure that we're not just sitting by the sidelines while the rest of the world goes along and says, we've created a whole new type of life. Like Mm -hmm. that's something that the church and Christians should probably respond to. Mm -hmm. Um, So just being engaged and trying to stay informed on it. um, That's probably the main areas in terms of other resources. One that gets pretty in the weeds in terms of the the way that AI could be used sort of long-term um, and not so much on just sort of like the specific tools that are available today is the uh, the ELRC, um, which is the Southern Baptist, I'm going to forget what the acronym is, but it's the Ethics Religion Law Center, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the think tank. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a very, very long statement a couple of years ago um, where it goes through a lot of situations about AI. I wouldn't say that it's going to be hey, this is, you know, 100% on the mark about everything, but it's very thoughtful in in thinking through different topics and the different areas that AI could be impacting us. Um, The other area I would go to, uh, the Gospel Coalition has a lot of great articles on there. So they're publishing stuff on a regular basis about AI. At the time of this uh, recording, Mm -hmm. the very front page of TGC, the gospelcoalition.org, the leading article is, Chat GBT, Will You Forgive Me? We can sin before God with AI in many ways, but we cannot sin against a string of computer code. Uh, apparently, um, some some men have been uh, dating AI girlfriends okay. and uh, get upset and are very cruel to their AI uh, girlfriends. So that's if you want to read more about that. I think that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, <episode. laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but Trevor, th- this is really helpful. Thanks again for your careful uh, thinking on this uh, for both uh, providing answers and even some questions uh, to engage on this. And, you know, if if anybody would like to think further about this topic, would you be willing to talk to them? I would be willing to talk to them. That's excellent. All right. Well, thanks, brother. And yes, blessings thank you. on you and Katie.